Swinet. It's time for a new era of communication in the swine industry. One that you can get the latest updates while commuting or driving to farms. Here you have the brightest minds of the global swine industry in your pocket. I think we're always working towards driving uh, our product quality higher and continuing to meet ever-changing customer demands. And I think that's always going to require us to work at elevating product quality. Welcome to Swine Eat Podcast. My name is Marcia Gonçalves, your host for today's episode. This episode is brought to you by Gestol. Celebrating its 25th anniversary, Gestol manufactures the original wireless standalone swine feeding system. Designed by pork producers, for pork producers, they are simple, reliable, and provide peace of mind 24 7, 365. Gestol is not just an equipment manufacturing company, but a family pork production business with a slat-level understanding. Hello everyone, uh, today's episode is about meat quality and what should you know about it. And for that, we have a great expert in the subject, Dr. Emily Arkfeld. She's, uh, she's going to walk us through her background. Uh, she has a lot of experience in that field, and uh, I look forward to chatting with her. So with that, thanks, Emily, for joining us today. Thank you for the invitation. You bet. Well, so the first question would be uh, if you can just uh, walk us through how did you get into pig production and, and how is your career so far? Absolutely. So I grew up on a farm in southeast Nebraska, Uh, It was actually uh, experiences through uh, my involvement in FFA that first exposed me to the area of meat science. I found it a really intriguing topic and elected to pursue a bachelor's degree in animal science from the University of Nebraska. Mm -hmm. While at UNL, I was involved in a variety of extracurricular activities associated with meat science. One of those was working at the Meat Research Lab. I very much enjoyed my research experience there and elected to pursue graduate degrees. My master's degree is from Iowa State University, and my PhD is from the University of Illinois. I'd always known that industry was where I wanted to make my career and was fortunate enough to be able to join the team at Triumph. I have been in the role as their director of meat science for just under the last three years. Very nice. Very good. Well... Uh, I guess a good link is if you can give us a background uh, for those that are not familiar with Triumph, I guess, uh, probably those in, in other countries. Uh, uh, yeah, just uh, let us know what, what are you guys up to these days. Triumph Foods is a producer-owned company. It was organized in 2003 and began operations here at our uh, St. Joseph, Missouri corporate headquarters in 2006. Uh, Today we process in excess of 6 million market hogs per year uh, here in St. Joe. We also, uh, as a company, have ownership in Seaboard Triumph Foods in Sioux City, Iowa, and Daly's Premium Meats, which makes further processed pork products. Uh, Here domestically in the United States, you can find our fresh product marketed under the Prairie Fresh label, and our further processed pork product can be found under the Daly's label. Uh, We're a company that's very much committed to 
producing high quality product. And we understand that this takes a committed team throughout pork production and processing uh, facets of the industry. And being producer owned allows us to take a really unique approach uh, to how we solve problems and challenges. We're able to work cooperatively to add value throughout the production and pig processing um, portions of the business. And uh, my specific area that I would focus on is meat science, and I'm excited to talk about that area with you today. Very nice. Yeah, I think uh, last time I met uh, Dr. Brad Frecken, he he uh, and Dr. Chad Hassett. Uh, took us through the through the grocery store there to buy some dailies bacon and that was amazing so yes it's a very excellent product for sand experience very nice well so let's jump right into uh pork quality um last several years has been a very um very popular su subject in the industry um different countries uh handle that in different ways uh, what is your definition, uh, Emily, of pork quality? That's an excellent question, and it's not a question that there's a really necessarily direct and concise answer to. And that's because quality is complex in the fact that it's defined by the end user of the product and what they value in regard to quality. So I've, as I've thought through about what quality is, I put together a short list. It's by no means all inclusive, but as I think about quality, these would be some of the areas that I think customers think about. So the first of those is food safety. So simply being able to consume a product which is wholesome to eat. Another area would be for those end users which are further processors. Um, and so they may be worried about further processing characteristics. So things like pH, lipid content, or water holding capacity. Some customers on the retail um, who buy product in the retail display case may be concerned or focused on label claims or specific production practices tied uh, to, the, to uh, raising the pigs. And then typically or traditionally as a meat scientist, we would define quality in the context of how the product looks and how the product tastes. So specifically for visual appearance, we would focus on traits like color, marbling, water holding capacity, and what that product would look like in the grocery store shelf. And then ultimately, the customer is going to eat the product. So eating quality is essential, things like tenderness, juiciness, and flavor. Um, there's a wide variety in what customers want for quality, and I think that this was very well uh, demonstrated in a National Pork Board-funded project which uh, was completed in 2016 by Lusk et al. What they did was they surveyed uh, 5,011 U.S. pork customers. They did this on a computer screen, and they asked uh, survey participants to rate pictures of pork chops based on what they perceived for taste. What they found was when price was not associated with the pork chops they were evaluating, that there was a heterogeneous response in how consumers preferred their product. Specifically, some consumers preferred light product, while others can, um, preferred dark product. And there was also a range in how customers uh, perceived marbling and its impact on the final eating experience of the product. Very nice. That's interesting. Well, and besides that, great definition of pork quality, which like you, you mentioned is very, uh, it really depends. Um, 
what are the most uh, important factors that will affect uh, that poor quality? That's also an excellent question. And I think what's really important to understand and something that can be often overlooked is it takes everyone throughout the pork production uh, and plant side of the pork process uh, all the way through to the consumer to impact pork quality. So as we think through the process, uh, it can be impacted by genetics, by production. Um, we think about things like nutrition and animal care. Uh, transportation to the processing facility is something that's very important. At the plant, we're going to be focused on animal welfare and the post-mortem conversion of muscle to meat, uh, as well as food safety. I should point out that food safety and animal welfare is something we really are focused on through the entire process. Once a product leaves the plant, we have to make sure that it stays under proper cold chain management for food safety and for quality um, of the product. And then finally, even when it gets to the customer, the customer plays a very integral role in both food safety and product quality. So um, traditionally, we may think of the consumer as someone who doesn't play a role. And I'd like to highlight that particular process because I think there's been a lot of good scientific work conducted in that area, specifically focused on cooking. So um, I don't know how many people know, but the National Pork Board did change their recommendations on cooking pork, uh, specifically to an internal temperature of 145 degrees Fahrenheit with a three-minute rest, and that's for whole muscle cut. So there's two studies that I wanted to highlight that indicated that lowering the endpoint cooking temperature of pork actually resulted in a higher quality eating experience or better quality for the consumer. And those were a collaborative effort led by Dr. Moeller, published in Meat Science in 2010, and then a recent study published this year uh, in the Journal of Animal Science by Honegger et al. So there's definitely research happening in all areas of the um, pork production process. I just wanted to highlight uh, the consumer research is one area of focus at the moment. Very nice. And uh, yeah, the, I guess I just went to to Google here to quickly uh, convert the Fahrenheit to Celsius. That's about 63 uh, Celsius there for the, the folks in other countries. Um, one comment, I guess, is um, I'm not expert on, on meat quality, and but one thing that I do hear is that the blast shield is a good technology, I guess, that helped uh, with the whole idea on pH and, and, and meat quality. Um, and I know other countries are not, some, some uh, harvesting facilities are not, uh, don't have that technology. So I, can you comment a little bit about that, Emily? Well, I think overall it's important to remember that quality is really driven by the whole process. And so one must manage quality um, from start to finish. Um, obviously, I believe one of the fundamentals of meat quality is really understanding the biochemistry of the uh, living muscle so you can understand um, its functionality and then the subsequent um, conversion of post-mortem um, muscle to meat. And I think that that's where you're alluding to the blast chill really ties in as uh, it impacts post-mortem pH decline. And uh, with higher pH in our finished product um, and a slower rate of decline, we see a lot of positive attributes and quality, specifically focused on color and water holding capacity. Sounds good. Well, uh, Emily, 
how do you think we can meet the need to further elevate pork quality uh, as a whole? So I think before we can talk about where we're headed in the future, I think it's very important to acknowledge where we are. And I, at least in my personal opinion, I think that right now we're in an industry that's very much uh, focused on producing a wholesome quality product for our customer. And I think that's something to be commended. I think we're always working towards driving uh, our product quality higher and continuing to meet ever-changing customer demands. And I think that's always going to require us to work at elevating product quality. I think there are three really key areas we can focus on to elevate product quality. Um, and those are uh, sound data collection and education, uh, which leads to long-term problem solving, which finally results in innovation. And so if I talk through those three points kind of in reverse order, uh, starting with the end product, which is innovation, um, well, it'd be nice to be able to give one answer as to where we need to innovate. That's really not possible because it means something different to every customer because you have to put it in the context of your consumer. So overall, when it comes to meat science, uh, the list of port quality attributes that we discussed earlier, there was quite a lengthy list of uh, different things that we could be innovating towards. And so we have to focus on the broad definition of quality and meeting the needs of our customers and what they define as quality. Uh, the second item is long-term problem solving. So for me, that means really understanding the fundamentals of poor quality development and meat science, but not being afraid to challenge the status quo or challenge long-held conventions in the industry. So as we continue to implement new technologies and change production practices, some of the things that we have thought or have proven to be true in the past may not continue moving forward. And so I think it's important to respect the fundamentals, but also acknowledge that things change and need to be reevaluated. And then finally, the last thing, which is really the foundation, I believe, for all good decision making is sound data collection or information collection. So when you're collecting data for any project related to meat science or otherwise, I think it's important to collect data in a precise and accurate manner. Once that data is collected, um, draw the appropriate statistical conclusions and use the appropriate inference space. And then I think it's very important to educate uh, based on those conclusions. And I use the term educate very loosely because that could be as simple as sharing it with your immediate team or even uh, the larger domestic or global consumer. That's nice. That's very, very profound there, Emily. Uh, I guess in a, it's a good link for, for the question we got uh, from the audience. Uh, two different people had the same question. One, one was any Lerner, a uh, good friend from Kansas, and the other one was Lee Rinker from California. The question was, do you see a need to implement a quality grading system for pork like uh, beef has? I very much appreciate the question and uh, thanks Annie and Lee for bringing it up. I think it shows that as an industry, we are focused on moving forward and on quality. So the pork grading system specifically as proposed by the USDA um, was a very discussed industry topic once it was released in late 2017. Uh, up until a decision was made in uh, 2018. And Triumph did issue a public comment on 
the grading system as it was proposed, as well as did several other um, people throughout the entirety of the industry. I would encourage those who um, are interested in the topic to go ahead and pull up both the um, proposed regulation as well as um, read the comments, and those can be found at regulations.gov. As a whole, several industry organizations and pork processors stepped forward and said that the procedure that was proposed was ineffective given the nature of pork production and simply was just going to be overly burdensome to implement uh, in our industry. And so some of those companies were um, our group here at Prime Foods, uh, Hormel, Tyson, Seaboard, Smithfield, uh, Indiana Packers Corporation, the North American Meat Institute, and the National Pork Producers Council. So um, a wide range in industry um, was not supportive of the changes as they were proposed. Specifically, our letter at um, from the Triumph Foods Group, which again, I'd encourage you to read online, indicated that there were both logistical and scientific hurdles to its implementation. So speaking just from the scientific perspective, as I'm a scientist, uh, some of the things that were concerning were that um, given that it was proposed to drive towards a more consistent eating experience, the characteristics and the way it was designed um, really wasn't going to result in achieving that. And I think that that has been further demonstrated in uh, two studies, both from the University of Illinois. Uh, one was conducted by Wilson et al. and the other was the Honiger et al. study, which I mentioned earlier. Uh, both of those, I believe, are in the Journal of Animal Science. Additionally, some of my uh, dissertation work uh, funded by the National Pork Board had indicated that um, wine quality is not necessarily indicative of the quality of other primals within the pork carcass. So it becomes a challenge if we couldn't apply a grade to an entire carcass in order to uh, make sure that the customer was getting consistent product. Another concern uh, is repeatability because um, as proposed, it was built on subjective grading, which is concern because we wanna make sure that we're producing a consistently high quality product. And so that's a, a challenge as we move forward is making sure that we select metrics which are objective and repeatable. Very interesting. No, that makes total sense. And, and yeah, it uh, was a fairly uh, heated discussion and uh, it's great, you know, if there's no discussion, there's no evolution. So it's, I agree with you. Uh, it's always good uh, for the industry to have those conversations. I will add to the notes of the show the link that you that you mentioned. Perfect. Thank you. Very good. Anything else on meat quality in general, Emily, before we jump uh, to the three questions we ask every guest? I don't believe so. Good. All right. So the first question is, uh, what's your favorite swine-related book? So being a meat scientist, I um, want to pick a meat science book. But mm -hmm. unfortunately... Um, a lot of the general meat science books are geared across all species, and that's just a function of how meat scientists is, in general are trained. And so although it applies across all species, I think that it offers pertinent information to the swine industry, and that book is Applied Muscle Biology and Meat Science. Very nice. Very good. What is your favorite book unrelated to pigs? 
So an interesting book that I recently read was Mistakes Were Made But Not By Me, Hmm. Why We Justify Foolish Beliefs, Bad Decision, and Hurtful Acts. Uh, It was interesting to read in the context of science about why we have biases and why we reason ourselves into bad decisions. That is interesting. I need to check that out. Um, I know uh, there was an article in Nature uh, a few months back uh, questioning the whole concept of p-values. Uh, so that that it probably ties into that whole discussion. Very good. Well, the last question, Emily, is what sets apart successful swine professionals from those who are not? So I think there are three key characteristics that set apart successful swine professionals. The first of those is someone who has integrity and strong character. Uh, The second is someone who has the ability to be a leader in a collaborative environment or effort. Uh, The majority of research that's conducted, I believe, across the industry and across academia is collaborative in nature. And so a successful person is going to be a person who can step forward and lead in those uh, situations. And then finally, Uh, I think it's important for someone to be a risk taker. And I define that specifically in the context of being a swine professional as someone who's willing to drive towards new innovation over the fear of potential project failure. I love that. That's great. Makes total sense. Uh, uh, Well, I think it's been a great, uh, great uh, interview with you, Emily. I really appreciate your time and, and all your insights in this great area of uh, meat quality. Thank you, and I appreciate the opportunity to discuss the topic with you today. Thanks so much.